At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber. It is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here today, even though it's a day after another Hornets loss. A tough one against Oklahoma City. Hornets had a chance there at the end, and well, we'll talk about it. We'll let you hear a little bit from the contest as well. Joining me here on this podcast, first time here on the Hornets Hivecast, coordinator of digital media, Sam Purley. We have lots of great ideas with two Sams now in the media department. It's going to be great. But this is our first time actually getting to work on something together, Sam. Yes, absolutely. Very exciting. It's not the first time we've had confusion with the Sams working. We've already had that multiple times in calls getting mixed up. So at least it's just us two in here. We can talk straight to each other and it's no confusion. But thank you for having me on. Yeah, you think your Zoom calls at home are <laughs> tough. you got two Sams now. And every time you know someone says Sam, both of us look up. In any case, Hornets, a tough one. Last night, 109-107, the final score against the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a game that really started well Mm -hmm. for Charlotte. Uh, You had nice performances from some guys who, quite frankly, didn't have good performances in the first game. Uh, We'll talk about LaMelo Ball later, but he, P.J. Washington, both were stronger offensively. Things seemed to be going well, and then after halftime, uh, the Hornets' offense was just non-existent for, I'd say, 22 out of the 24 minutes of the second half. What, in your mind, went wrong? Well, I would say it even started maybe towards the end of the second quarter. I think they had a nine-point lead, and the Thunder went on a 10-0 run, and it just kind of turned. I think it ended up being about a 31-13 to run. And unlike the game against Cleveland, I think they had missed shots and things like that, but it didn't necessarily affect the defense. And I think they were just getting good looks, and shots weren't falling. They had a lot of missed shots around the rim. I think they were... 21 of 50 in the paint and so that's 29 shots in the paint they they couldn't convert on went in a two-point game and a lot of i think they had finished with 12 missed free throws as well so tough one just right there played a lot better than he did in cleveland if you played like you did in that game in cleveland you probably wouldn't won the cleveland game so encouraging performance obviously you know wins and losses would matter but you know back to it tonight 
Yeah, Coach Borrego had said after the Cleveland game that he felt the the lack of offense influenced the defense. I agree with you. I don't think that was an issue per se in this one, but the just absolute disappearance of the offense for that extended amount of time. And it wasn't as if you know it was one guy or one unit. Gordon Hayward struggled shooting the basketball mm-hmm. in the second half. Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham both had off nights, I would say, percentage-wise on their shots. Uh, just one of those weird kind of nights. And as you said, they had open looks. But Oklahoma City, you know, got lucky in, in a certain respect that the Hornets' shots just were not falling. Yeah, absolutely. And they got a, got a couple good performances. George Hill shot very well, 8 of 9. That was his Thunder debut. Even banked one in. Yeah, banked one in. I think uh, there was a couple of shots. I think Mike Muscala had to throw up the ball from half court at the buzzer and banked it in on the shot clock. And that was, there's a couple of those you just kind of know, man, this, this might not be our night. Um, but overall, much more balanced scoring effort. I think, you know, you had seven guys in double figures, 19, 18, 14, 12, something like that. That's the way the Hornets are going to win the games this year is balanced performances. It's not going to be a 40-point night or a 30-point night just from one guy. They can get contributions for everything. So seeing that depth is encouraging right now, seeing other guys that can step up. And like you said, you know, had a couple good performances from guys that didn't perform so well in the opener in Cleveland. The chatter heading into this one, uh, I've heard both from you know traditional media and just people online, was that this was an important game for the Hornets to get if there were hopes of the postseason looking at it like, Cleveland was not supposed to be very good this year. Oklahoma City is not supposed to be very good this year. If you're hoping to be good this year, you can't go 0-2 against those teams. Does that line of thought resonate with you, or is this just the schedule is what it is, it's the NBA, teams are going to have highs and lows, but you can't read too much into the first two games of the season. Oh, 100%. I mean, number one is the NBA. Everybody's good. Everybody in the NBA is an NBA player. And so everyone's coming tonight to compete. And I don't think it can be underestimated, the offseason and the lack of chemistry and building things. I mean, we, we see it in the guys out there. That's a real thing. The chemistry, not having too much time together. Some of these guys have not had summer league. Obviously, you want to start off, you saw those games and you look at them and you're like, that could be two wins. But they're not, and you got to get better. And right now, the Hornets have gotten better from game one to game two. I know they're both losses, but that's all you can do is just kind of keep improving, keep moving forward, and and be better at your weaknesses right now. You were mentioning a stat on the the last time the Hornets made the playoffs and what the season started like. Yes, it's actually zero and three, and then they, and things kind of and actually they had a seven game losing streak in the middle of the season too, and then things started to kind of turn around. So, if history is any sort of indicator, the Hornets are in great shape right now. <laughs> That's certainly one way to look at it. Uh, talking with Sam Perley here on the Hornets Hivecast after the loss to Oklahoma City. Another frustrating part of it was it felt like things really were in rhythm from the first half. Lamelo Ball was hot. We're going to talk more about him later. Uh, and you know, Miles Bridges obviously had most of his points at the end. But looking at some of the other guys, PJ Washington has been a big focal point mm-hmm. through the preseason. He had a rough go of it shooting wise the last two games of preseason, and that extended into the contest in Cleveland. He really looked much stronger and just more assertive. He was not settling for jump shots. He said, "You know what? If I'm going to be a small ball five, and you're going to put a small ball five against me, I'm a bigger." 
better, stronger small ball five than yours is, and he was taking it to the hole with authority. Yeah, absolutely. That looked like P.J. Washington. That was second-team All-Rookie last year. 18 points, 8 rebounds, um, and he had three block shots. So I think he said after the game, it was a, his defense I think he wasn't super pleased with, but offensively, like you said, he was aggressive. He was getting to the basket. He was getting his own rebounds, getting other people's rebounds. And I don't know, shot 7 of 15, so, and he hit 1-3. So it's starting to come together, and they're going to need him, especially down next couple weeks or so with Cody Zeller out. He's going to be playing more of that small ball five. You know, the Hornets are going to need P.J. Washington to be like the P.J. Washington last year and maybe even more so now. More on the Hornets' 109-107 loss to Oklahoma City in just a moment. But a reminder, if you haven't already, download the Hornets app on your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content you don't want to miss. The new game day experiences for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations available only through the Hornets app. Sam Purley, coordinator of digital media with the Hornets, here with me, Sam Farber. Hope it's not too confusing. We have different voices, so you can tell which Sam is speaking apart, at least. Uh, here on the Hornets Hivecast after a Hornets 109-107 loss at home, home opener against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Don't like to settle for silver linings, but afraid we must here today. Uh, there were some significant ones, though. Let's start with LaMelo Ball. He had an offer scoring-wise in the first game against Cleveland. It felt as if, you know, he, he did have his moments passing, but none as spectacular as what we saw in the preseason. Uh, on this night, it felt like Oklahoma City made a concerted effort to take away his ability to pass, force him to make some shots, and he was able to do just that. Kick out to ball, long three from the left wing is nothing but nylon. Another Lowe's three-point shot from LaMelo Ball. He's got nine in the opening quarter. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. The passing you're looking for, and you're looking for the stuff you saw in the preseason, the Toronto and Orlando games, and you know when you force him out to pass, it's he had a couple isolation shots, he had a couple catch and shoot, and finished five of ten, thirteen points, six rebounds too, which I think is a skill set that is really underrated with him. Um, and he makes plays on the balls. He follows his shot extremely well, which is something I've noticed offensively. He's really good at predicting angles off the backboard. If it's a missed shot or it's a missed shot by a teammate, um, is a is a sneaky skill of his. But overall, solid. You know, he only played fifteen minutes. I think still kind of working out the rotation and who's going to you know in that second unit and. You know, at some point, working Malik Monk back in, and Caleb Martin actually got his first action of the, uh, the night against the Thunder. So figuring things around and who's going to work where, but um, overall, very promising performance. I think he's going to be just fine. Obviously, a little disappointed Wednesday, but a uh, good one tonight for him. You touched on the rebounding. I think he even fought PJ Washington, Miles Bridges for a couple of those boards. He, he'd rather he was going for too many than not enough. I'm trying to recall what the player. There, there's been several. Russell Westbrook actually. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. The media would get all like, "Oh, you're just going for triple." You're trying to get everything. And he said, well, would you rather I didn't go for rebounds ever? So it's a good trait to have. The other thing his length helps him with besides rebounds is stealing the ball. And he was able to do that and have it lead to some offense here tonight. On the inbounds play, they throw it off. Bismack Biombo's back. Then they throw it away. LaMelo Ball racing into the front court. He collects and he'll slam it home with two hands. LaMelo, a dunk. His offensive game is on point right now. He's got 13, and the lead is 7. This is something that was not heralded about LaMelo coming into the season or out of the draft, just how his length helps him defensively get deflections. He had several tonight and ultimately get steals in these kinds of runouts. Yeah, absolutely. Deflections doesn't always necessarily mean like if you get a steal, that's the only thing that can happen. If you get a deflection, it knocks 
four seconds off the shot clock and the offense has to re-scramble and reconfigurate, that's as good as maybe you know they put up an errant shot and that's as good as a turnover in some situations so um it's something and you know when he starts putting on a little bit more size and physicality that's only going to be even more and more be able to absorb contact from guys um yeah but the length is again we saw all the passing highlights down in australia but the rebounding like you said the deflections the defensive you know he can be a disruptive force and you know we've seen he loves to push the ball and i think that these guys as soon as they get the rebound it's like i got the rebound i'm going to get the one to push it and that's almost like the incentive of of crashing the boards or some of these bigger guards he was able tonight to take what the defense gave him and I think this is something that fans who thought they knew who LaMelo was based off what they saw when he was 15 years old and hadn't really hit his growth spurt yet are going to have to get used to he is not the same person he was when he was a freshman in high school and if he was on the offensive side of half court he felt he was in range and was going to let it fly he is a lot more like his brother Lonzo in that He is looking for passing lanes. He's looking to involve his teammates. And maybe he's got a little bit more flash to his game than Lonzo did Mm -hmm. at this stage. But he certainly has the substance. It's not as if he's throwing it behind his back or throwing full-court bounce passes just for fun. More often than not, it's to open up a lane that wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the shot selection you touched on has gotten... At least I know it's only been six games total. You got the preseason, but is noticeably he's an interesting case because everyone's got a perception of what he was before this in terms of playing and how's he going to fit within a team and things like that. And so far, so good. You know, he's playing team basketball. He's passing the ball. He's taking shots when they're there for him. He's rebounding, doing all the little things. The idea that, like you said, he's going to you know the pull up in half court and taking contested threes and things like that. You know, it's he loves to pass and helps his teammates just as much. So you know, he's been a team player so far. He's doing a little bit of everything, and he's off to a great start in his NBA career. There might be even a positive to the fact that he did shoot like that when he was young, in that he is not afraid to take that shot if given to him and it's necessary. I'm not saying you know one step over the half court line now I'm open, so I'm going <laughs> to shoot from here, but. The 29-footer, the 30-foot shot, you know, the, the one from the Spectrum Center logo, that is an NBA shot today. It's not just you know Damian Lillard and James Harden taking these things. A lot of NBA players take them depending where you are on the shot clock. So it's not necessarily a terrible thing to have someone who has that muscle memory of, I know I've made this before and I can if I have to, although also with the awareness that that's maybe not the ideal shot with... 17 on the shot clock yeah it looks it looks a lot easier when Damian Lillard's doing it and swishing in and, and some of these guys and Steph Curry as well but no he's not lacking confidence at all and I think that's really really important and it's not just the shot selections I can make this pass I can you know go in and get this rebound or get this or make this play and or I can gamble on this steal and things like that that's important and then again having the confidence but then there's a line of having the confidence and knowing is this the right play like you mentioned is this the right shot to be taking and I think he's done a good job of being confident but also playing smart as well and it's it's really encouraging for the Hornets. I know people want to see more of him right now, but these things take time. He's only 19 years old. Like You don't want to put too much on his plate right off the bat. The, the last note I had on LaMelo, in, in terms of how he's defended, when he's in the pick and roll, the, the team effort on how to defend him seems to be drop under the screen, defend the roll man, don't give him the lob, make him shoot it. And he executed well there. He was taking threes as they were given to him, and that was where most of his makes were, either off catch and shoot or off of those wide-open opportunities. The other part of this is when he gets the ball on the wing or has the ball on the wing, and he is in a one-on-one situation. And even against a very good guard in Shea Gilgis-Alexander at Mm -hmm. times today and other, he is bigger 
than most NBA guards. And we saw him assertively drive the lane, helps not coming because they don't want to open up you know, a passing lane and get put on Sports Center because preseason mm-hmm. he averaged number six, I think, on top plays off. Exactly that. So no one's coming to help. He has the length, and he finished a little bit better today. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was the Orlando game. Whatever Orlando game was his best game, and whoever was guarding him down there was Cole Anthony or somebody like that. Um, it's fun to watch because you see the opposing point guard, and they drop back a little bit back into the paint because if he turns and drives to the basket, he's so long that he can get there he can turn the corner and get to the rim more. And I think that's the next step for him. I think it's turning, it's getting to the rim a little bit more. He only attempted two free throws. I think they came back in the first quarter. I think JB wants to see more attacking the basket, which I think the Hornets as a whole did better last night against Oklahoma City. But um, it is fun to watch. Like you said, he's got multiple things. He can create shots in space. And, you know, if the guy drops back, you can shoot it. Or if he comes up, you can blow right by him to the rim. And, you know, he's obviously got an eye always looking for his teammates in that driving kick game as well. 109-107 was the final score last night against Oklahoma City. The other part of our settling for silver lining segment, one I hope does not have to make a whole lot of repeat appearances, mm-hmm. but you know we, we have to settle where we must, uh, was Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. And on paper, I would understand how some people would say, man, he was quiet for three quarters, or why didn't we get him involved in the first three quarters? And I think the reality is he was involved in the first three quarters. He just wasn't the the person the offense was flowing to for shots. But I think he tapped out three free throw misses on the offensive end that ended up being second possessions, other missed opportunities there, both the free throws being missed and even on those ones the shots didn't go down. But, you know, he was involved. He was, you know, showing his abilities and really staying involved in the game even though the shots weren't there. You know, we got a lot of talented scorers on this team. There's only one basketball to go around. So of the 10 guys that are going to be in the rotation, nine guys, you got to find a way to contribute whether it's going to be. And some of that might be hustle plays, defending, rebounding, blocks. And, you know, Miles is still, you know, he's, his first year he was a reserve playing a different position. Starter last year at the three, and now he's gone back to the reserve and is playing more small ball four and some three. So it's still kind of learning a new role for him. Um, He had a great preseason, too. I thought he was probably, relative to expectations, probably one of the best, maybe the best Hornet in preseason, just with the energy showing and doing a little bit more playmaking um, tonight. And obviously he almost single-handedly brought him back into that game. I think he had the three threes at the end of the 14-3 run there to, to get the Hornets right back and Fortunately, that just came up one play short. It is a podcast, so I could play them all, but let's just save, the, you know, let's just do the last one for you. 15.7 seconds left in the contest. Hornets down three. Devontae Graham into the front court, into the corner. Bridges spots up for three in the tie. It is good. Miles Bridges, another Lowe's drilling threes bucket, and the Hornets have come all the way back to tie it at 107. In the first three couple threes, they were top of the circle, you know, just kind of come down. I'm going to shoot it. Classic NBA prevent defense. If you can make that good for you, but we're not going to foul you. We're not going to give you anything close to the hoop. This was one where he was not in the position Oklahoma City had grown accustomed to seeing him. He slides into the corner, 
and just a pure catch-and-shoot three. And for someone who's known as a slasher, that is a big shot to take and make in a clutch moment and could pay dividends in the future. I mean, great plays for Miles. You know, that corner three last year was his shot. He's not ever been lacking for confidence. You know, it's I think just like the rest of this team, it's about kind of finding your role right now. They're still kind of learning things on the fly, but um, really good performance. And he's getting to the point, I think, where he's just a guy that's going to impact the game in any capacity. He's going to find a way to impact the game, whether it's scoring, rebounding, defense. You know, he's in his playmaking, I think, is the thing that's really stood out this year in terms of improvement compared to his first two years in the NBA. One segment left here on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast, and it's a back-to-back. First one of the season coming up next, the Brooklyn Nets. So we're going to break down that matchup. But before we do, I want to remind you fans, the buzz is building. Season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season are available now. Guarantee your price now. Call 704-HORNETS or head to hornets.com to secure your season tickets today. Final segment of the Hornets Hivecast, a back-to-back means we've both broken down last night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and now it's time to get you ready for the next matchup against what arguably looks like the best team in the NBA right now, and I have immense respect for the Los Angeles Lakers. I, this is not shade. This is just saying, this is just acknowledging what the Brooklyn Nets have done through two games, and that is beat up on two well, at least one really good basketball team and one team that's got the potential to at some point be really good again. The Nets blew out the Warriors on opening night by 26 and followed that up with a 28-point road Christmas Day win in Boston. Kyrie Irving's averaging 31 points per game. Kevin Durant is also back from injury. He's averaging north of 20. Sam Farber here with Sam Purley. What do you believe is coming against the Hornets tonight against Brooklyn. First off, I'm going to disassociate from the those Lakers calls. I don't want the Lakers fans coming after me. I know you, the Southern Cal ties, uh, they look really good right now after two games. And I think it's, you know, we didn't get to see this Kyrie-Kevin Durant um, combination last year because Durant was obviously out the whole year. And Kyrie, I think, only played 20 games. And the Hornets actually did not face Kyrie in a single game. But they look really, really impressive. And I think it was, I was watching the Christmas Day game about halfway through. It felt like they just turned it on. And it's not only those two guys. They haven't even gotten Harris. hasn't even been going. Shamit hasn't been shooting very well. And their bench. I think their bench is really, really good. It's averaging 46 points off the bench through the first two games. Karis Levert is their third leading scorer, averaging 15 points off the bench. And Jarrett Allen is almost averaging a double-double with three blocks off the bench. So that bench unit is a handful in its own on top of the Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Um, I don't even know how you go about you know, you got to do something, but it's it's not, you know, we've got to shut those two down. It's how you're going to attack them, how you're going to make things difficult, or do you take away everything else and say, okay, you guys are going to beat us, go ahead and beat us. But it, it's a big challenge, and um, but I think it's a good challenge for this young Hornets team to face someone like Brooklyn, but they look really good right now, really, really good through the first two games. And that's not even to mention another one. I mean, there's so many weapons they have, but DeAndre Jordan, I think he's at four points per game. This is a guy who has shown an ability when teams are trying to take away other primary options to just dunk on people at will, and he hasn't been needed yet. But if if you go with that strategy of, all right, I'm only going to allow Kyrie and Kevin to be jump shooters, well, who's going to guard this guy? Yep, Spencer Dinwiddie, another one, too, is a another six-man-of-the-year kind of caliber player they have. So what is the strategy then, or what is the the objective? Obviously, winning is the objective, but you know, what, what are you looking to see from a young Hornets team that, as you mentioned, has taken some steps 
Game one against Cleveland, a terrible second quarter, never were able to dig their way out of it, and quite frankly, outside of Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, no one really looked like they were on their way to digging their way out of it. Game two, better offensive effort in the first half, certainly. They hit a lull again. What are you looking for either as a next step or as a key to victory against Brooklyn? You know, it's obviously a unique matchup. This is this is probably probably the second, if not the best, superstar tandem in the league right now. And I think you just you can't get too caught up on what those two are going to do. They're going to go out and they're going to have 25 or 30 points. But these guys, the last few days, Bismarck said after the Cleveland game, I think Miles said it after the Thunder game, is we got to play our game. We got to go back to having fun. And when you have fun and you, you start playing well, for the most part, and playing well for this team means playing fast and playing in transition and things like that and you're going to see a lot of isolation I think from Durant you can see a lot of isolation from Irving and maybe you start moving moving the ball a little bit more get them on their heels a little bit so they feel like they've you know how you're going to beat teams is force them to play your style if you try and play and go you know punch for punch with with Kyrie and, and Durant and those guys you you know probably going to be on the losing end so um, trust me, if I had the the secret to to stopping those two, I would probably be running down to JB's office to give him. So it's going to be a, a challenging game for sure, but uh, I'm excited to see how this young Hornets team responds to a Nets team that I think a lot of people are kind of penciled in right now to represent the East in the finals at the moment. And finally, you, you mentioned earlier, everyone in the NBA is an NBA player. There's going to be a lot of experts are going to look at this game and say this is a, a lopsided line in favor of of Brooklyn, but we saw last season Hornets come up with wins against Miami. They've been right there in a lot of big games against a lot of big-time opponents. What are some of the through lines in those types of games where, all right, on paper, you know, you've got a team that's supposed to contend for an NBA title against a Hornets team that is still building its way up towards being a playoff team. What are some of the things that in the past in those kind of wins happened early that gave the Hornets momentum. I think when we ended the season last year, we had a big stretch where we beat one in. We just had a lot of games with close teams. They beat one in Toronto. They won in Miami. We took the Spurs and Denver down to the wire at home. We beat Houston at home. That was our last home game before the season got suspended. I don't think these guys see it. I don't think you look across the court and say, "Oh, you know, they've got Kevin Durant. They've got Kyrie Irving. They're supposed to be in the finals this year. We don't stand a chance." I think JB's done a good job in saying, "Hey, we're supposed to be out here. You guys are all belong here. There's no reason why we can't go out and." put on a great performance, play really well, and who knows, let's put ourselves in position to win. And that's what this team did such a good job last year is didn't win a ton of those big-time matchups in terms of the Lakers and things like that, but I would say 70% of the time, maybe 80% of the time, they put themselves in position to win, and I think that's what you're looking for tonight. And if you fall behind by 15, 20 points in the first half, it's really hard to put yourself in position to win. You get to clutch time, it's a four- or five-point game with five minutes to go, then you're in good shape, and you see what happens. And if Durant comes and hits a three-pointer and you know goes crazy in those final couple minutes so be it but I think that's what this team has to go put yourself in position to win and not play from behind and they've had to play from behind the last couple games see if they can force Kevin Durant or Kyrie to go Miles Bridges yeah exactly (laughs) Sam it's been fun having you here it's the first of many times we're going to have you here on the Hornets Hivecast and we'll be confusing people with our two Sams thing on uh, Zoom I'm sure tomorrow morning and beyond Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Sam Perley, coordinator of digital media for the Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, the radio play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. And a reminder, we will have one out for you tomorrow morning, breaking down the Hornets contest against the Nets. For Sam, I'm Sam. It's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us here on the Hornets Hivecast.